are many ways you can support Right Up My Podcast, but we'd love it if you pick just one. You can join our Rump Club via Patreon from as little as £3 a month. Get exclusive access to behind-the-scenes content, the inside scoop on upcoming episodes, members-only workshops, no-holds-barred Gwen and Kate Whiffle Waffle, and more. Simply head to patreon.com slash writeupmypodcast. Or if you prefer to be a one-off supporter, you can send us a virtual coffee. Head to buymeacoffee.com slash writeupmy. Follow the links in our show notes and we will love you forever. Thank you. It's right up my street, my boulevard. It's right up my straza. Oh my God, it's garden right up there. It's right up my podcast. Welcome to Right Up My Podcast. My name's Gwen Watson. And my name's Kate White. And this is the podcast in which we talk to a whole range of awesome people about the ways that they have for us to feel good. And this episode, we are talking to Emma Howarth about her magical year and her book, A Year of Mystical Thinking. But more of that later. But meanwhile, a little bit of wiffle waffle for your ears. Kate, how are you? What have you been up to? What have you been doing to make yourself feel good? Oh, Gwen, I'm so glad you asked. I (laughs) am. I'm doing pretty good, thanks. What have I been up to? I've been, I went to see anyone who lives in Bristol at Bristol Museum, I went to see Grayson Perry's Art Club, which is brilliant. It was Ooh. based on his TV show where he invites lots of people, some uh, well-known people, some people not known at all, some people who have done art before, some people who have never produced art before, invites hmm. them to produce art to a particular theme. And this exhibition kind of went through all the different themes, all the different pieces of art that were produced and really beautiful, really emotional. A lot of it was people expressing their own experience of being in lockdown because it was going to say yeah of the last couple of years it really brought home the range of experiences that people have had how different people's lives have been during that phase all challenging for different reasons but it was really lovely Mm. and there's this one piece of art that really stayed with me it was done by a student from Dundee called Becky Tyler and Becky has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and she uses a computer program that enables her to paint using just eye movement wow and the artwork that she produces is just incredible it's so inspiring I would definitely advise anyone, if they're able to, to go and check out the exhibition. But if not, at least look it up online. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Wasn't Russell Tovey, you know, him from, well, millions of things, History Boys and onwards. Um, he um, Wasn't he part of Grace and Perry's TV yeah. club, whatever it's called? And then he's gone on to be a well-selling artist, hasn't Has he? he? Has he? Yeah. yeah. He's done a couple of, there's been a couple of series of it, so he may well have done. I love it, though, when you find out these people are actually really talented artists, like um, Vic Reeves. He, oh, yes! He makes most of his money now. Jim Moyer, I think his real name is. He makes most yeah. of his income comes from selling his art now. He's an incredible artist. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah. These multi-talented people. Multi-talented people. Maybe in a, maybe yeah. in a couple of decades, Gwen, you'll suddenly reveal yourself. <laughs> As a award-winning, multi-million pound earning artist, you know? Well, you know, just never say never. I was about to say that's never going to happen. But hey, we should never say never. Anything can happen. Anything is possible. True. 
True. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, anyway? I've been, I, do you know, I've had to really struggle to think about what I've been doing. A lot of what I've been doing that's made me feel good, I'm going to be talking about after the interview because yes. it ties in yeah. with the interview today. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on that, and then I was like, "What is there left?" <laughs> Not much, I gotta say. Um, I've just had a friend to stay, my friend Dean. Shout out to Dean, who's been working oh, from home. Dean. God bless. Like a lot of people, um, isolated by himself in his own flat, working from home for the last two years. Oh, God, Finally, it looks like he's going back into the office this week. Okay. So um, yeah, how does he feel about that? Oh, he's absolutely ecstatic he about is, going yeah. back in. He's been, he's a very sociable person mm. and he gets his energy from people. Yes. So he has, it's been really tough for him as it has, you know, for a yeah. lot of people. And um, so I was like, well, come and work with me for a couple of weeks. And it was, it was really, really lovely because um, we've known each other for, we worked out 23 years. No. So we're very well versed oh, in I hanging out on each other's couches. So it was just very, um, very relaxing. But yes, and he's going back to the office and he's decided he's only going to go back in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, and yeah. he's going to work from home Monday Fridays it's a good idea now apparently yeah now apparently this is called hybrid working mm, yeah. this is a new thing yeah have you heard of this I have I have I know a few people before everyone went back to working from home again I know a few people whose offices decided to do that and they 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 made it all hot desking no one had a permanent desk and they would stagger who was in and who was out and everyone I know who ah. did it said it was brilliant because you get that energizing from other people you get all that chat that organic chat that doesn't necessarily happen but then you also get just a slightly more chilled out pace of life because you've got yes. more time at home than you did previously. You don't have that yeah. constant five days a week commute. Yeah, exactly. And it gives you more freedom. Yeah. And actually, we've got very used to sitting around in our tracky dacks yeah. and actually delivering our work whilst lying on our couch. Yeah. And that would be Scratching. a very hard thing. Scratching. <laughs> And that would be a very hard and farting. And that would be a very hard thing to just give up straight away, wouldn't it? I think so. Ease people back in. Because I think people mm. have got slightly mixed feelings, haven't they, about going back in the office? Even the people like your mate Dean, who just need that energy. Mm. It's you get used to being at home and it's a sort of can be slightly hard habit to break, I think. Yeah. And also we've got a little bit used to, well, me personally got a little bit used to not talking to people as mm. much yeah. I've definitely leaned on the whatsapp audio rather yeah. than actually picking up the phone and speaking to people yeah and actually um one of the things I'll talk about later is that I've been writing my aspirations <gasps> for the next month because it's the new moon today yes and um is. one of yes and one of those was to um to speak to people more often on the phone yeah and to actually, because nowadays, if so, if I answer, people are like, bloody hell, didn't expect you to answer. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, I need to make more of an effort. Yeah. But I love when people do that. Like, oh, I didn't expect you to pick up. It's like, why are you calling me then if you didn't actually <laughs> want to talk to me? Because <laughs> they want to leave you a message on your answer phone. <laughs> or I actually love it when people don't answer. Like, brilliant. I can just send them a WhatsApp audio after all. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, mostly what I've been doing this January is just watching everything that's on Netflix. Classic January. What else is there to do? Yeah, I've seen it all, pretty much. You've seen it all. Highlights? Top three? Um, I'm, no, all I can think of is things that I wouldn't recommend watching. Oh, okay, well, that's <laughs> a good that spring, start. <laughs> springing to mind. There's one, there's, there's what, the, the Charlie Kaufman new one. You know, he's the guy who did Adaptation and Bring Joe Malkovich. It's called, yeah. some, it's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Oh, okay. It's... 
Um, it's one of those films where you're like, what is happening? What are they doing? Why is this scene so long? Why is there a naked man, naked old man following a cartoon pig? And hey, then you get uh, to hold the, the end. Phone. This sounds like a great watch. <laughs> Don't tell me not to watch it. A naked man following a cartoon pig. TV and then you get to the end, you're like, maybe I should have been on Mushrooms to watch this. And actually, what have I just watched and why? <laughs> it's one of those. Okay, okay what so, are those? Um, okay, put yeah. that on the do not watch list. And what about you? What have you been watching or what would you like to watch? I really want to watch a film that's out on Netflix called The Lost Daughter, starring everyone's favourite, Olivia Colman. Oh, yes. I've seen it. It's very good. Yeah. I love her. Anything where she's in, I love. It's not a laugh a minute. No. So, But it's, it's very thought provoking. Yes. And obviously Olivia Colman is amazing in it. And um, who else is in it? To go to Johnson. Is that her name? She's in it. She looks incredibly beautiful in it. She is incredibly beautiful. She is, but she's gone up and up a notch in The has Lost she? Daughter. She's raised yeah. a game. She has. And I tell you who else is in it, who is hot, is um, Peter Sarsgaard, who is actually Ooh. married to the director who is, um, oh my God, Maggie Gyllenhaal or Gyllenhaal. Ah, yeah. okay. I listened yeah. to an interview with Maggie Gyllenhaal and she, I'm sure she didn't used to talk like this. She has got a voice that sounds like someone who smoked a lot of fags and drank a lot of whiskey. When Maggie Gyllenhaal was talking about it, it's like, oh, I love Olivia Coleman. So like, Maggie, <laughs> what's happened to your voice, dude? She's been partying too hard during lockdown, clearly. Oh, Olivia, she's a right old nice bird. Oh, I love a bit of British totty. <laughs> <laughs> impression <laughs> that's, my, that's my Maggie Gyllenhaal impression <laughs> spot on 10 out of 10 <laughs> I'm a professional don't you know <laughs> you should add that to your repertoire <laughs> uh, it's right up my podcast so this is episode 23 all about living magically in this episode, we talk to Emma Howarth. Now, Emma describes herself as a magazine writer, travel guide editor, slow typing novelist, 90s nostalgist, displaced northerner, introvert, Piscean, mother of girls, teenage witch, turned deranged multitasker, turned inner peace seeker. <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> Edited highlights of who Emma is. And did you mention there that she also does horoscopes for Glamour magazine? Yes, she also writes Glamour magazine's horoscopes, Amazing. which I'm really excited about. Um, but we're talking to her about her book, A Year of Mystical Thinking. And this documents a year that changed Emma's life, where she explored all sorts of things, including the power of vision boarding, yoga, sound bath, spirit guides, rituals, meditation, tarot and oracle cards, crystals, astrology and manifestations, to name just a few. I feel like I've just been giving you a lot of lists of things so far <laughs> in talking about Emma. But we started our chat with Emma by asking her what led her to embark on her magical year. So my name's Emma Howarth and I am the author of A Year of Mystical Thinking, Make Life Feel Magical Again. Um, and that's basically a, a book that was born out of a project I started in 2018 after a pretty difficult year left me feeling burnt out, broken, and like I needed to find the magic in life again. Um, so basically I set off on a adventure, a year long adventure where I made a plan to 
either discover or rediscover a different mystical or spiritual practice every month for a year. But because I had like kids and like husbands and a job and like all these other very boring, annoying things. (laughs) (laughs) Husbands are so annoying. (laughs) Stop me from going, you know, booking myself a one way ticket to Bali, which was, Mm. is obviously the ideal way to find inner peace. Um, (laughs) I, I came up with a more kind of realistic real life way of doing things, which was basically like as much as I would have loved to go and eat, pray, love it on a sunny beach somewhere. I knew that wasn't, what was going to happen for me. So my challenge was, yes, I'm going to do those things. I'm going to fit a different mystical or spiritual adventure into my life every single month, but it has to fit into real life. So it has to be something you can do with all the other stuff going on. Because basically, you know, I'm, I get sucked into spiritual Instagram as much as anyone does. And all those (laughs) pictures, you know, the pictures, the ones, (laughs) the ones where people are kind of doing yoga poses with a sunset backdrop, you know, Mm. as much as I love that, it's just, I didn't see my own life in, in that version of spirituality. So this is a very real version. In fact, one person described it as one early reviewer described it as eat, pray, love for the rest of us. Which I For think the rest of I us. Love I love that. that. <laughs> and that's what's so great about your book because it's realistic. That's it, isn't it? We can't just drop everything and head off to Bali or Goa or wherever might be the place. And, you know, we all feel great when we're sat in the sun on the beach, don't we, suddenly? But it's finding something that actually is realistic and fits in with reality. That's much more of a challenge. Yeah, definitely. And I I mean, I devoted actually a whole chapter. So the book goes in chapters by month. So the whole of the March chapter is pretty much devoted to everyday magic and turning routines into rituals and finding, basically finding the magic in the mundane. So it's all about ways to make magic in like the really average bits of your everyday life. Mm, Finding the golden nuggets. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. that. And I really like the structure of your book, because as you just said, you basically did a different thing. You tried a different thing for every month, didn't you? What did things did you try? Was it 12 things in the year or was it more than that? Um, it was kind of more than 12, actually. So I th- obviously I, I started strong. So I was very enthusiastic <laughs> in January and February. Um, so in January, I it was yo- getting back into yoga. I've always um, practiced yoga since I was 18. Um but I got back into it and also made a vision board. So that was January. February was like sound baths and spirit guides. March was all about this everyday magic. Then I did moon, like moon rituals and, mm. you know, on and on astrology. Um, I studied Reiki, like learned about energy healing, loads of stuff. Manifestation, that's a, a big hot topic at the moment. I've got a yeah, chapter about yeah. that. Oracle um, cards and tarot cards. I actually bought yeah, myself my cards. very own pack of oracle cards after reading your book. Oh, I love that. Book That's fantastic. You know, I, I get so many amazing messages. Um, it's the basically the best bit of having written a book is getting mm. all these amazing messages yes. and emails and DMs from people who are like, oh, I just bought myself in tarot cards. I just made a vision board. Here's a picture of it. Like, it's oh. so fantastic. That is yeah. brilliant. One thing that both Gwen and I meant said to each other after reading your book was how do you go from having had this really busy year that led you to being like something has got to change I can't carry on like this how did you then find the time to do all these things because that's such a challenge for so many people when they're wanting to make a 
change in their life or bring something new into their life, thinking, well, where is the time to do this? Yeah, especially for people with husbands and kids like you, Kate, and people yeah. like me who are just addicted to their smartphones. I mean, how do we find the time to, Life's <laughs> busy. to do good stuff? It's a very good question. Um, but what I think what I really learned, and this might sound a little bit like perfect spiritual Instagrammer, <laughs> which is not my intention, <laughs> but it, once you start making time and space, and I, I realise that for for different people, you know, everyone's restrictions on their time are different. And mine may be different from someone with a baby or a toddler or someone with shift work or, you know, someone who's working two jobs, you know. Um, but once you make a bit of time for one of these practices, it almost gives you more time. I just found simple ways like, OK, I found it really hard to go to yoga on a Thursday morning because the to-do list in my head would just be on and on and on. So I just switched it up and I worked out that, yeah, my husband could look after the kids while I went to a Monday night yoga class and suddenly yoga made total sense. And I have not, I mean, apart from when I was in the middle of my book launch, I basically never miss a Monday night yoga because it works for me. And also a lot of the practices in my book aren't things that you need loads of time for. Like I, I deliberately made it that way because that, you know, that is, I live this really busy life even now, even years, a few years after my Mm. mystical year. So it's the simple things. It's like turning a morning cup of tea into a ritual. It's turning like the walk to pick your children up from school into like a meditation. It's fitting it in. I don't know. Somehow the more you do, the more you can do. Yeah. And I guess for you, you had the structure of writing a book. So you had you had to do it. You had deadlines or you had you had a goal that you had to do. But I think for um, I think there is something useful. The Eat, Pray, Love structure, the Rebel Wilson who's just done the year of health. Was it helpful for you to kind of make that decision that you're going to make this year different? And and you had like a goal of 12 months to really make a change to your life. Was that a helpful structure for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the other thing that's important to say is when I started the year, I wasn't writing a book. Okay. I right. didn't, yeah, I didn't okay. know I would be writing right. a book. So it wasn't so, all motivated no, by that. No, it was genuinely a project that I started because I felt so rubbish and I wanted yeah. to make myself feel better. So I really think as a reader... I think you can feel that when you read it because I'm genuinely, that's where I was. I was in that broken place and I was trying to make it better. Because I'm a writer, because I'm a journalist, I naturally found myself blogging about it and stuff. But it just, it wasn't a book. It was, no one had even suggested it could be a book until well after the year was finished. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, so it, it didn't, yeah, someone said, oh, this should be a book probably towards the end of the year and I was like oh maybe but I was too busy to make it happen okay but yeah so so then in that case it was just then did the structure of having that year like setting that goal for yourself was that the thing that kind of kept you on track yeah I think so I mean basically I'm just I'm a massive sucker for a like new year's resolution or a like do over (laughs) a fresh start I love September (laughs) the beginning of the academic year I'm like it's like another new year I love a fresh start. So just, and also once I discovered the whole moon phase concept that gave me a fresh start every month. I don't know, I just really like the structure. It just, it it was manageable because I was only really trying to do one thing a month. So I had a whole month 
And that made it manageable, but also kept me accountable in a way to you've got to do something this month because you said you would. Right. Yeah. yeah. Stick to it. Yeah. And I had an Instagram. Yeah. So I set up an Instagram. So I, I did feel a bit like I need to post things on my Instagram. Okay. Yeah. For my like yeah. two followers or whatever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who are hanging off but your it's every been, post. <laughs> it's accountability, isn't it? I think that yeah. really helps whether mm. you're, you've got a buddy that you're reporting into or yeah, whether you're sharing it. That Definitely. makes you feel accountable, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I've, I've really noticed that on, you know, you know, some people post their exercise schedules constantly. Mm. Yeah. And I used to be really judgmental and be like, why do you have to post pictures of yourself doing a workout? It's so annoying. And now I think I understand that it's because it makes them do it. Yeah. That's yeah, why they post them. So now mm. I'm not judgmental. I'm like, you go, girl. You go, yes, girl. Yes, that's really you good, actually. I will be yeah. less judgmental yeah. now, too. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> Well, would you like to know what I think? Well, I sure I think you should. I'm going to tell you anyway. And I haven't finished yet. No, I've got much more. So much more. More tell you and aren't you so lucky you just sit there or sit there and listen to me and I'll go on and on all about yours truly go on in a minute and talk about some of the specific different things that you did but I just noticed there is a few kind of common themes that seem to run through all of the different practices that you brought into your life one being this is a quote from your book the steady magic of slowing down which I loved that and that seemed to come through quite a lot just each of these practices just forcing you to to slow down and to take a bit of time and as you sell you yourself said a bit earlier on about finding the magic in the kind of the everyday and the mundane um but you also mentioned about quietening your overthinking mind and that that a lot of these practices helped you do that as well yeah definitely um I think that's kind of the thread that holds it all together really that um it it really is all about slowing down and sometimes that feels really impossible like I totally appreciate how that can be so difficult when you're in it and you're in the crazy hectic trying you know being pulled in all different directions trying to be everything to everyone but yeah I really found that for me embracing some of these practices even on a small level even on a small scale just tiny things like pulling one oracle card in the morning or you know lighting a candle in the evening and making a wish when I blow it out anything small that just gives you a moment to stop and think and pause mm. just really does it it all kind of it's like a domino effect it kind of knock one down and they all follow I, don't know, I just think every time every tiny bit of space you create somehow creates more I can't explain why but it, it does. accumulates yeah 
I'm really interested in the the March one you mentioned, finding the magic every day. How did that work on a practical level? So that that probably connects quite well to the question you just asked, actually, um, because that was okay. So I'd started my mystical year, and I was yeah booking things, doing things, fitting it in. It was all working really well, and then suddenly my work schedule got so crazy and you know, my kids' schools were constantly sending me emails and I just felt like I really had no time. And rather than give up the mystical year, which felt like Mm. something that maybe needed to happen, I just decided to try and find the magic in things I was doing anyway. So for me, that will be different for everyone. But for me, um, I'm basically, because I'm a northerner, I'm obsessed with tea. Um, <laughs> and so are a lot of people who aren't from Yorkshire. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I found ways to, to make the fact that I drink lots of tea into more of a ritual by just taking a bit more time over it and, you know, spending a bit of money on some expensive tea bags. <laughs> Silly little things like that. And, you know, I have loads of candles around the house. People buy me candles for presents and I just started lighting them more, even when there wasn't a reason. And then just making a wish when I blew them out. And I'm really into baths as well, which I think might be a Piscean thing. But I have a lot of baths anyway. So I, you know, found out loads of stuff about bath rituals and I started um, every time... I had a bath at the end. I would sit in the bath until the all the water had drained out and I would visualise anything that I wanted to let go of or any bad vibes disappearing down the plug hole with the water. I like so, that. you know, they, that's just a few examples. I put loads of examples and suggestions in my book that could mm. spark ideas for other people. You know, you can do the tea thing with coffee if <laughs> you're a coffee drinker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's really what it was about. It was like, what do you do anyway? What do you enjoy anyway? Like it could be reading. Maybe you're someone who every night reads and you could turn that into a much more magical ritual by, you know, just making it a bit nicer, having a nice drink with it. Yeah. You know, really, really being careful to protect that time. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's really what it was about. I really like that. I really enjoy, I really like that kind of concept of just make, of really focusing in on the minutiae. It feels very mindful, doesn't it? Just really focusing in Mm. on what you're doing in that moment and making that feel special and seeing the beauty in something as small as seeing your tea leaves going around the pot. And I don't know, I just, that feels really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of making those little things a little bit more special. Yes. Mm. So we feel a little bit more nourished somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I was really interested in what you mentioned earlier briefly about the moon. So I've recently just discovered, I brought an almanac um, for the year for 2022 and it's the most beautiful book and it gives you the moon phases for each year and it, it kind of gives you a bit of information about gardening by the moon and different things to be done by the moon. And actually me and some friends went for a, a swim in the sea at the full moon last week and it felt amazing. amazing. It felt cold, but amazing. And you saying that you have got into the habit of seeing each new moon each month as a new a way to sort of refresh your mind and a new start. Is that right? Yeah, totally. So I, I've always been fascinated by the moon. I think growing up in sort of the Yorkshire countryside, it just becomes a big part of your life. You really notice when it's a full moon because you can see down the dirt track to your house. <laughs> wow. um, but I haven't really 
got into following the phases of the moon. I mean, I think everyone noticed the full moon, but I don't think I really paid attention to when the new moon was until I did the mystical year. And then sort of really discovering what each of those phases of the moon symbolises was like a revelation because the new moon basically is the beginning of the moon cycle. So it represents like a fresh start, planting seeds, setting intentions. And when I realised this meant I could effectively have like a mini new year every month, Mm -hmm. I was like all in. It's like, this is amazing. (laughs) Why didn't anyone tell me this before? So I love it. And I... What I really love about the moon, it's one of my favourite practices, really, is sort of trying to live in, live with the faces of the moon. Um, favourite practice is because it's just there. It's up there in the sky. All you have to do is step outside and witness it. It's, re- it's a really simple thing. And it, what I really love about it is that it teaches us that life is cyclical. So you're not meant to be like... Um, full and glowing and bright all the time you know there are different phases there's a waning phase where maybe you're looking within a bit more or you're reconsidering your options or you're retreating or you're being a bit more introspective and then there's this new phase where it's like right let's fresh start start again um what are your intentions for the new cycle and then a waxing phase where you're like making things happen building up to the full moon again and it's just such a lovely practice to develop mm. and a really simple one, I think, that anyone can benefit from. Oh, I like this idea. Yeah, it's it's really simple and I think really valuable. It's mm. a really valuable connection to make that's just there, outside, available mm. to you, available to everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. We all have access. <laughs> we all have yeah. the moon. Yeah. And Global that, access. Yes, yes. And that <laughs> feeling of just being connected to the world around us always feels good, doesn't it? To sort of remem- remember that it's not an us and them as far as us and the natural world. We're all part of it together. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest things I learned in my mystical year as well, was just that, you know, nature is magic in action. So... Mm. connect yourself to it as much as you can um even if that's just stepping outside your front door and taking a few deep breaths every so often you mm. know or walking barefoot on the grass in the park you don't have to have a massive garden to to access nature hopefully I mean I know it could be more difficult for some people than it is for others but yeah I really think there's a lot to be learned. Yeah, and and because it's where we've come from and we've done episodes on this and it's how we evolved and I think it's it's a large reason of why some of us feel disconnected that we're we're in our four we're in our four walls. Yeah. The other thing that can be really nice is just to connect to like sunrise and sunset. And it's really easy to do at this time of year because the sunrise yes. is so late and the sunset's so early. So you Come don't have June. to get up at like 5am or anything. So I think, I think that's really nice. It's kind of another accessible thing, especially maybe for someone who is up early doing a commute when it's almost still dark, you know, mm. notice when the sun rises. Don't just be staring at your phone when the sun rises. And 
you know, I've been noticing since um, since the winter solstice on the 21st of December that it has been getting lighter a tiny bit each day. Mm, and I yeah, really yeah. annoy my kids by going, this time, a few weeks ago, I was picking you up in the dark. <laughs> I do that as well. I do that all the time. I'm like a broken record. <laughs> yeah. But it's lovely, isn't it? Just that hope of spring is yeah. kind of, it's magical. It is. When and you start the, paying attention. And seeing the little shoots come up on the, you know, in the hedgerows. Yeah. The little, what are they called snowdrops and things like that yes snowdrops and then the crocuses will come and it's just it's lovely once you start noticing it you really feel the hope blossoming inside as well don't you yeah definitely and also another thing that's uh, that I've really got into especially this winter is um is not just focusing on that hope of spring like really sort of noticing the benefits of winter you know Mm. that kind of I read this wonderful book I don't know if you've read it called Wintering by oh, Catherine no. May and it's yeah. all about the power of rest and retreat in difficult times and about how people winter all over the world and you know that really got me thinking about the power of winter I've always quite liked winter mm. I quite like the lack of FOMO <laughs> yeah. yes okay because everybody else is staying in too <laughs> yeah exactly I quite like it um but yeah there's a lot you know we can all gain a lot by taking some time to think about what we want, what's working, what's not working. You know, it doesn't have to, you know, following the kind of cycles of nature and the, you know, the wheel of the year and doesn't have to be all about waiting for spring, waiting for summer. You know, there's benefit to every part of the year as well. Boom. No. O to the M to the G. Yeah. You blow me away. Hmm. It's like a mic drop party. Yes, you on the mic. I'm digging those things that you say. <laughs> so very good. Yes, it's good. It's big good anyway. It's like a mic drop party. Now, let me just get this straight. When you were introducing a new thing every month, well, things... Were you then like you'd get to the end of the month and tick them off and move on to the next things? Or were you um, or were you just like then accumulating this huge bag of tools that you were doing by the end of the year? Um, I think almost everything I did became a, a regular practice. Oh, you did. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of what I mean by the more you do, the more you have time for. Yeah. I suppose. yeah. Because, yeah, the yoga stayed obviously the vision board stayed because it was up in my house but it didn't require Mm. me to do much more other than look at it and once you found out what your spirit guide is that stays with you Mm. um and yeah so I think most things did stay with me but maybe I wasn't so you know there's a chapter on meditation where I really devoted a month like if I practice meditation every day for a month will it make a difference to my life and I do still meditate regularly, but I'm not someone who meditates every single day without fail. Mm. No, I didn't tick them off a list and you move just, on. I, yeah. I kept with most of them. Yeah. At the start of this year, you were having a tough ride of things. Can you tell us a bit how you felt in comparison at the end of this year, the year that we're talking about? Um, at the end of the year, I felt completely different. I just felt like everything had changed yeah, really, like really quite dramatically, like I'd really reconnected. So at the start of the book, one of the things I say is someone once said to me, 
if you lose your way in life, um, you should look back to what lit you up when you were younger. Mm. So I think I think that was really that was really the crux of it. I'd reconnected to a part of myself that I had forgotten about. Um, so I think that is partly why it changed everything. But also because every single practice that I'd rediscovered or discovered, if, if it was something I hadn't done before, had added something to my life. So my life is just better on yeah. all levels. And I just really felt like I was, this is also going to sound a bit spiritual Instagrammer again, but I really felt like I was in tune with the universe and and I could see the magic in the world around me. And I really, really believed that I was kind of co-creating my life, really, yeah. Yeah. that anything was possible. And that feeling that anything is possible is is really life-changing yeah that's exciting I love that I do and I love what you just said about feeling like you're co-creating your life that it's horrible if you've in a phase of your life when you feel like you're just out of control that you're just ping-ponging around as a result of other people or other things actions or behaviors to feel like you've is that what you mean like you felt like you got a bit of control back into your life yeah totally and yeah and also I just I sort of learned the I learned the power of things that I hadn't really noticed before. So one big thing that kind of happens in the book is I, I kind of learned the power of creating space. So this thing when you, you know, think about the universe, like if you create space, the universe will fill it with mm. something. I think there's something about nature or pause a vacuum or some quote like that. But basically I noticed this happen this happened, this in act. So I noticed it in action during my mystical year. So I had this point where I was working for a magazine that had been a really hectic job. That was part of the reason why I was so busy all the time. Um, I basically created this part-time job for myself that actually really didn't work with school hours. And I really felt like I'd really messed up. So, but in the book, I think it's in the September chapter or sort of towards the summer, I uh, the, that magazine went into administration. So I basically lost my main job, which kind of was a bit of a disaster. Mm. But what I noticed was that when that space was created, it very quickly got filled with more amazing things. Yes. So that's quite a life-changing concept to get on board with because now if something goes a bit wrong or I don't get a job I want or a, pit, a pitch I send into a magazine gets rejected or you know something doesn't quite work out how I want it to, I'm almost excited to find out what's coming instead. Love that. Um, the thing I really love about this, it's is such perfect timing because this very day I was having a conversation with somebody this morning. We were out on our morning walk. Last night I had a pyjama party, bunch of us women in our 40s all watching Dirty Dancing. And a funny thing with hot chocolate. And a funny thing happened watching Dirty Dancing in your 40s where suddenly you're 20, 30 years older than the central characters. <laughs> and, and we were all in tears by the end. And it's like, because, you know, when you, you remember remember how you felt when you were watching it when you were younger and you have all this hope ahead of you and I came out of it feeling a bit like a bit sad 
in my life. I was like, oh, I never did oh. get to do sexy dancing. I thought that was my future, you know. <laughs> There's still time for sexy yeah. dancing. Yeah. Yes, it's just, yeah. But all being lifted up in the, in the water yeah. Yeah. by a man oh. in a Patrick. Yeah, in a black vest. Yeah, I don't, I don't but, know about that bit. I think I'd mess it up. <laughs> those, those days are gone. But um, and I was talking to a friend going, I just, I came out of it feeling like I want big change and I want to do something, you know. I want to, I want to do something with my life. And he was saying, um, the problem that we have is when we try to change everything at once, we can't change our actual personalities. We set mm. ourselves up to fail, don't we? If we kind of decide this is the year I'm going to, you know, become a Be weightlifter. A or, I don't know. You know, person. So, yeah. Yes, exactly. We can't become a different person. So it's all about incremental change. And it's all about doing manageable small things and creating these new habits, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And also about finding finding practices, finding things that make you feel better or or just doing more of what you love. And it mm. doesn't matter if what you love isn't what everyone else loves or isn't even something mystical or spiritual. Just find find your thing and, and do it more. I like to live in a predictable way. I have the same old sandwich every day The same routine, the same ideas The same tomatoes and the same cheddar cheese Oh, I'm willing to try something new With a nickel, pickle, pickle and some chutney too I'll give it a try, yes, I'll give it a go I might just like it, well, you just never know but I'll always love a cup of tea Now, as per usual, we like to try these things out ourselves and we also like you to have a go. So we asked Emma to set us a challenge based on one of her chapters from her book. We focused on April when she looks at moons. When this podcast comes out, so that will be the day after the new moon in Aquarius, which is on the 1st of February in the early hours of the morning, about a quarter to six in the morning. But you can still tap into the energy of that new moon on the 2nd of February. That's fine. What you can do is write yourself a intention setting list. So new moons are all about fresh starts and new energy. It's the beginning of the moon cycle. So it's a really potent time to think about what you want out of life. You'll see the first crescent, the first waxing crescent. And I was told many, many, many years ago when I was like a 14-year-old teenage witch um, that you should always make a wish on that first crescent. So it kind of appears in the sky just after sunset. So that's another nice thing to do. Write your list of intentions. And then when you see that first crescent moon, in February, a few days after, um, make a wish and then, you know, work towards your goals and intentions until the 16th of February, <laughs> which is the full moon in Leo. And full moons are really fantastic for letting go of anything that's no longer serving you. So if you want to um, tap into that full moon power on the 16th of February, write a list of anything you want to let go of, anything you want to leave behind, anything that's just not working for you and destroy that piece of paper on the night of the full moon or, you know, a night either side doesn't really matter. Um, but also just really pay attention to that to that waxing moon cycle from 
So from that site of the first crescent to the full moon, just try and notice it. And then you can do the same after the full moon, you'll watch it, it wane, and then it will be the new moon again, and you can set more intentions. so much to Emma we really really enjoyed talking to her and if you want to find out more about Emma or about her book then head to mysticalthinking.com brilliant um I've really enjoyed this one I feel like I've got a lot out of this yes it's been great timing as well oh my gosh kicking it off at the start of the year so perfect um Now, as you heard, Emma set us a brilliant challenge for tuning in to the lunar calendar. Now, we haven't had, obviously, an opportunity to do this properly yet because it is the new moon in February today. So instead, Kate, you have picked something from one of her months, haven't you? What did you pick? Yes, I decided I was going to do what Emma does in February in her book. I wanted to do something that I've not tried before. And a few of the things that she talks about, we have touched on such as sand baths and grounding and meditation and those sort of things. So I thought, I don't know why I'm laughing. Actually, I do know why I'm laughing. (laughs) I decided it's about bloody time that I find my spirit guide. (laughs) So I mean, I embarked... what have you been doing up until I'm... this age? Honestly, <laughs> I mean, how have I made it through to this ripe old age <laughs> without a spirit animal guiding me along the way? Honestly, <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> so she tells you, I was looking in the book and she tells you there are a number of different ways to find it. And I'm just going to read out a little extract. Um, apparently, we all have an animal spirit guide ready and waiting with messages and answers from another realm. And the the person that Emma did her spirit guide session with explained that this might be an animal with which we've always felt an affinity or one that's been following us around or that we've seen through street art or Instagram or gifts and cars given us to by friends and family. So she says, take your inspiration from things that you see around you all the time. And she said, if you really can't find the inspiration, maybe ask yourself if it can be revealed to you in your dreams before you go to sleep that night. I love this, Kate. So, um, uh, just to sort of set the scene of how my spirit animal came to me, I was away this weekend. I went to stay in this amazing glamping treehouse. It was a kind of belated present for my husband, up in the trees, in the Cotswolds, looking over these beautiful Mm. fields. It looked gorgeous. Can I just say she sent me a picture? Looks bloody... It's literally in a tree. It's in a tree. It's just one big wooden cabin in a tree, hot tub on the deck. I mean, I could have lived there for the rest was of my life. Was it just you two or did you have the kids? We had the kids with us and they had these little cubby holes in the side of the wall where the kids slept. Oh. Uh, I didn't mention this to the kids, but I got in one of them. I was like, this feels like I'm sleeping in a coffin. I need to get out of here straight away. <laughs> but the kids seemed to like it. So I was like, right, good night. night. Sleep well. <laughs> Do not come out until the morning. I'm off to find my spirit guide. Later. <laughs> So I was sat out on the deck, little glass of wine, looking, reading the book, thinking, okay, spirit animal, what has been in my consciousness or what have I seen that's made me feel inspired or really resonated with me? And I looked up and I kid you not, 
Walking across the field in front of me was this enormous spotty pig, this giant <laughs> pig. <laughs> I hadn't seen this pig before. I didn't know there was a pig in the field. As I'm talking spirit animals, this enormous pig walks out in front of me. So I was like, well, yeah, screw you. Okay, universe. all not right having, then. Not having a pig as my spirit guide. <laughs> An hour later. So what, did you sat- reject this? You rejected this in the universe. You're like, I no, I'm worth more than a spotty pig. No. Let's try again. Must try harder, universe. Come at me again with something better. Thanks very much. <laughs> An hour later, sat out there again, chatting to Chris. Mm, what do you think my spirit animal is? Now walking in the other direction across the bloody field, this same bloody spotty pig. <laughs> so I was like, maybe Stop I shouldn't be having... me, Kate. <laughs> yeah. Hello. This time it was walking on its hands. I'm moonwalking across the field. <laughs> I'm here. So that night, before I went to bed, I said to myself, right, Okay, I want to dream about my spirit animal. And I just sat there and I thought about this really hard before I lay down to go to sleep. I was like, right, spirit animal, spirit animal, I'm going to dream about you. You are going to come to me in my dreams. Guess what I dreamt about, Gwen? Oh, I hope it was a spotty pig or I'm going to be disappointed. (laughs) An enormous spotty pig. No. Did you actually dream about it? 100% genuinely, I dreamt about this enormous pig. Now, a cynic might say it's because we were in a treehouse next to a field with a pig in it. (laughs) Um, Shut up. Pipe down, cynics. This is the universe speaking. Okay. (laughs) I'm hearing your universe loud and clear. I've now embraced the spotty pig into my world. And this is what everybody's favourite source of information, the internet, says about (laughs) spotty pigs. So when a pig appears as your spirit animal, expect abundance in all forms. Well, yes, I will expect that. Hello. Pigs as a spirit animal belong to those who always seem to be under a lucky star. Oh, my God. Call in a pig as your power animal when you need to sniff out the best opportunities. Or truffles. Or truffles. Whatever (laughs) comes at you first. (laughs) I'm embracing this. Yes, that please, is pig. really positive. See how you tried to reject that sign from the universe, and instead, the pig is going to bring you abundance, and you are under a lucky star, girl. So yeah, I'm I'm going with this now. My spirit animal. Okay, so we've locked this in. Your your spirit animal is a spotty pig. Let me tell you now for every birthday and Christmas that this is what you're getting. Um, <laughs> and thank you, universe. And um, now how does this manifest itself? What what do you just have to look out for spotty pigs? Do you meditate <laughs> on a spotty pig? What how does one in how does one engage with one's spirit animal? Okay, it says here ways to connect with your spirit guide. Once you've got yourself a period spirit guide. Ask them for help. Ask them to help you achieve your goals. Request that they show you the way. Make a wish. Write them a note and burn it to ash. Invite them to infiltrate your dreams. Ask them to show you a sign that you're making the right decision or choosing the right path. Your guide works for you now. Hey! Watch out, Spotty Pig. I own your ass now. I'm the boss lady now. <laughs> uh, this is great. So in the same way, yeah, so in the same way that one might write to one's higher self or ancestors or spirit guide, you will now direct your questions to the spirit pig. Exactly. She says you can also journal in conjunction with your spirit guide. Free writing. We've talked about this before where you just you write, you let your inner feelings and thoughts and sort of subconscious thoughts come down without worrying about grammar or spelling or how long you're writing for just see what it comes up with and it says you can start the beginning of a sentence with my spirit guide would like to tell me dot 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 and just see what comes out see if you can channel it 
Do you know, that is a really good exercise. And I've done this before. I used to do this a lot where I would journal and then the second half of my journaling session, I would be writing to me from my spirit guide or from, well, from my higher self. So I'd be like, dear Gwen, or I'd be like, hey, you're doing great. And then I and then just let whatever come out. So that's actually you could actually write to yourself. Yes. And just let whatever comes out, come out, come out. Yeah, I like that. Definitely. But um, yeah, what about you, Gwen? Anyway, I feel like you've been really productive over the last couple of weeks. For once in my life. (laughs) Yeah. You've peaked too soon in this year. (laughs) The next 11 months, you'll be like, shit. (laughs) I can never live up to January. Well, do you know what? I was really inspired by Emma's structure of throwing in something new every month. And I thought, actually, I want to do that. And we interviewed her in January. And as I said in our interview, I had bought some oracle cards um, following reading her book. So um, one of her things was just using oracle cards every day as a little bit of guidance. So just like taking out a card every day and um, taking that as like your, your message for the day. And so for anyone who's not come across oracle cards before, because I feel like tarot cards are something that a lot of us know what they are. But before yes. this book, I didn't I'd never heard of an oracle card before. So tell okay. us about oracle cards. Yeah. So I guess in a way that they're similar to tarot in that they can be really beautiful and um, you can also draw them in a similar way that you can have like you can lay them out in three cards one's your past one's your present one's your future type thing but these are far more direct there's far less interpretation in that they have messages written on them so um it could be um trust or it could be opportunity or it's up to you or something that if you're asking a question it will hopefully relate to the question you're asking and if you're if you're just pulling out a card to give you a message for the day it's amazing how you can really relate it to your day and you can kind of go okay yeah I like this um are they all positive statements yes they are there's no it's not like your day's gonna turn to shit (laughs) yeah you're probably gonna die by the end of this 24-hour period Cheers, Oracle Cards. Sorry about that. Um, so And so far, I have found them really helpful. And like you, yeah. um, the other day I'd pulled one for myself and I thought, oh, I can't remember what it said. Something like, oh, yeah, it's all, say it's all up to you. And I was like, oh, I want a bit more guidance than that. Shuffled, yeah. pull out another one. It's exactly the same one. It's like, oh, OK, I need to listen ah, to the universe. OK, that's really interesting. In her book, she talks about the tarot cards and she says, actually, she prefers doing them herself rather than going to a tarot card reader because when she does them herself just like you're saying with the oracle cards you put it through the filter of your own life and the decisions you want to make and yeah it's kind of just kind of just empowering you yeah and I think it helps to just it helps to just take it with a healthy dose of yeah why not yeah why not exactly I like that in all decisions in life yeah why not yeah why not um so the other thing I did in January was a vision board workshop and, I'm really um, interested in this. Yes. Now we're going to do a whole episode on vision yes. boards. And so um, I won't go into it now, but it was with Laura and Jody at Dream Play Create. And it was a two hour workshop on a Sunday morning. And we were all there together on Zoom, chopping out images that spoke to us. And it was really good. It was great. And I felt really, um, really positive after it. I had some great images. It's now up on my office wall. It went Brilliant. in a direction I really didn't expect it to go in. And basically, yeah, at the end of it, I was like, I am smashing this January tick and tick. 
I love it. And I'm desperate to find out more about it. But actually, I'm not going to quiz you too hard because, like you said, we're going to do a whole episode on it. Yes. But suffice to say, you came away feeling like it was a really worthwhile thing to do. Absolutely. I think it's really good to channel and to have some focus on our aspirations. And speaking of, so as I said at the beginning of this segment, that Emma had set us a challenge about getting in touch with or getting in sync with the moon, which we haven't had time to do because we were in between. We were in between moons when we um, were doing our tryout. Um, So for February, I'm switching on to the moon cycle. Today is the new moon. I've written out my list of aspirations for the month. You and I have agreed that we're going to get together for the full moon on the 16th so we can write our list of things to let go of and burn them ceremonially. Burn them. Yes. And I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited in in having the opportunity to have a new year every month. (laughs) I think that's brilliant. (laughs) And yeah, all in all, I'm really I feel really motivated yes. by her, by this structure of just adding something new in every month. And yes. um, I think it feels doable. I love yeah. it. I, well, I think it's a great idea. So, yeah. So how about you, Kate? You've done the, you found your spirit animal, January tick. Um, what's for February? And are you going to commit to the year as well? Um, I'm really excited about the whole moon stuff. I really love anything that makes me feel like I'm part of the natural world and makes me feel like I'm more connected to it. So like yeah. you've already said, the, the the moon cycles, I'm definitely going to follow those. I've already got a group of friends that we're going to try and go for a swim a in the sea, a sea swim every full moon. So we're going to try and do that every month. So I'm really up for that, definitely. That's a great idea. And my next thing I'm going to do, we've already done an episode about sound baths. This is something that Emma talks about in her book. I've never actually been to a proper sound bath because of lockdown. So my next thing I'm going to go and do, I've got a friend who lives in Bath and she's going to take me to a sound bath with her as well. Although I'm not going to make the mistake that she did where she arrived late, sat in the only space that was free, which was right next to this enormous (laughs) gong. (laughs) And she said she didn't, like her whole body was physically vibrating. It was so intense. She didn't (laughs) stop. Like her heart rate didn't go back to normal for about two days after. (laughs) It was too much, man. So I'm going to go and sit at the back of a room of a soundbar and get and uh, give that a go in the flesh so that's my plan that is a great idea and I was just going to say I was just going to add lots of our listeners have said that they'd love to be able to do all the things that we suggest you know because obviously we come up with absolutely brilliant ideas every episode and now we're nearly at the end of season three that's three seasons worth of things so if you've been thinking oh I'd love to start I'd love to do a EFT I'd love to do grounding well maybe now's the time to go back through the back catalogue and pick new things to try every month. And hopefully you'll come out feeling great like Emma did. Yes, 2022, the year of new things. Let's nail it. The year of living magically. Thank you so much for listening and as always we love to hear from you you can email us at writeupmypodcast at gmail.com or find us on instagram and twitter using the handle at writeupmy don't forget to subscribe and follow wherever you listen please and if you have the time and the inclination we would absolutely love it if you headed over to apple podcasts and gave us a review and a bit of a rating you can also head to our patreon page find us at www.patreon.com slash writeupmypodcast where you can find all sorts of extra content. 
And a great big thank you to the team. That is Andy Grimes, who creates all our really special music, and Erica Francis-George, who handcuts all our really special artwork. Thank you both for making us look and sound awesome. Thank you both indeed. And we will be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode of Write Up My Podcast. Meanwhile, keep trying things to make you feel good. Bye-bye. Tell me, did you like the podcast, Brian? No! Oh. If, unlike Brian, you thought our podcast was really great, then don't hold back, like, subscribe, and tell your mate. But if, like Brian, you thought our podcast wasn't fun, then just keep quiet, don't feel the need to tell anyone. We'd love to hear from you if you've got some thoughts to share, such rich and lovely views that all should be aware of. But I hope you liked our podcast and you thought it was really great. And if you did, like, subscribe and tell your mate. Because we don't need grumpy pants bringing everybody down. No, we don't need negative Nellies making people frown. No. So I hope you liked our podcast and you thought it was really great and if you did like subscribe and tell your mate